0: Welcome to another episode of It's All White, our regular Fulham podcast. My name's Lee Wilmer. I'm joined today by a rather horse-sounding Fulham reporter, Ryan O'Donovan. Hi, Ryan. Hello, uh, Lee. We've also got our Charlton Athletic writer, Clive Newton, with us today. Hi, Clive. Hello, uh, Lee. We've got a few things to discuss today, so um, let's uh, get straight into it.
1: Um, back-to-back wins, Ryan. That's uh, that's novel for Fulham this season? Yeah, this season is it, it, a very novel thing, especially the way they got it. You know, you got that win on Tuesday that was... Goes galore and you didn't know, like, you didn't want to take your eyes away from it because that was going to be a goal, to the complete opposite on Saturday, which was a drab 1-0 win where neither side looked particularly good and, you know, Fulham really had to grind it out on Saturday, which is something we haven't really seen from a Fulham side for a long side and for them to get a, a clean sheet at home... It is unheard of. I mean, the last one was in what January against Barnsley. The last time they kept a clean a home clean sheet. So it's a long time. Yeah, that in itself is fantastic, and it's the first one this season since August when they kept one away to Ipswich. So, all in all, you know, it wasn't the best of performances. It wasn't very pleasing on the eye, but it was a win. There's another three points. That's seven. That's seven points in a week now for Fulham. If we go back to Derby, if you said that at the start of that. That stretch of games, you would have bit your hand off for it, especially with the way Fulham have been playing and not getting results. So, all in all, I think it was a good end to a good week. I suppose it was always going to come at that time, wasn't it? After a five-four
0: game at Sheffield United, it was yeah, it was, either, round, yeah it? it was either
1: going to be a one 0 win or a 0-0 draw. Really looking at it, I mean, Millwall—they didn't—they didn't really have anything about them themselves. You know, you can see why they haven't won away from home all season. There just there wasn't any any anything about the Millwall side. What they would do is they'd sit behind the ball. Let Fulham have it, and then they launched the ball as soon as they got it up to their strikers, and hoped that big Tom Elliot would be able to to do something with it, and he nearly did. You know, they hit the they hit the woodwork twice, once through Elliot's header, and then George Savile's thunderous strike from about twenty yards out hit the woodwork. But apart from that, Millwall offered very little in terms of of the game. But it was the same with Fulham. You know, Fulham offered very little in terms of going forward. They looked they looked struggling that final third once again, and. Used up all their goals Against Sheffield United Used up all the goals Against Sheffield United But it's the most Fulham thing possible That they've won 1-0 They've battled it out And they scored a penalty How often can we put All those things together When talking about Fulham this season But no I think Djokanovic will be pleased With 1-0 For as long as I've known him He's gone on and on And on about preferring 1-0 wins And he's never got one really Until the Millwall game So I reckon he's going to be A very happy man That they've kept The clean sheet And won 1-0
0: should we um, should we care
1: um, Clive about winning 1-0 people talk about
0: it
2: often don't they I think a the manager they're obsessed with clean sheets aren't they if you get a clean sheet then you've got the basis of a result haven't you mm-hmm. you're either going to draw or you're going to take the three points um, as a fan um, <clears throat> I'm not sure what the Fulham fans what's their reaction to it would they rather see lots of goals in a, <laughs> a thrilling game or a 1-0 to be honest do...
1: watching Fulham as a report I think we've been spoiled by the amount of goals they've scored in the last mm. year so you know, there was always going to be, there was bound to be a 1-0 eventually. And all, yeah, it wasn't the best and fans pay money to watch it. Mm. But at the end of the day, it's three points. In, in the grand scheme of things, who really cares if they play like that for one game?
2: The managers want to win games, don't they? And they're judged on, on wins. So regardless of how they come, they'll take it. But um, most of them would not want to see their team concede lots of goals, would they? I'm, no, but I'm I think... am guessing yeah. the 5-4 was... Yeah, it was a nightmare to watch <laughs> and... <laughs>
1: You know, Fulham have a habit of conceding goals at the moment. They have done all season, so you've got to look at it that way. Is that they managed to? Okay, Millwall were poor, mm. but they've come away from a game unscathed. They've got clean sheet. The defence hasn't looked very confident for the most part of the season. Now they've got that clean sheet behind them, mm. they can start to build on there. And what you know, they've gotten Brentford away on Saturday, having a clean sheet before going into that game is massive because mm. Brentford like to play football and they like to score goals and attack as well. So it adds that little bit extra confidence I think going into that game mm.
0: how, was, um, sorry, how, how was Ryan Sessany on, on Saturday obviously he made all the headlines for the, the 5-4 against um, Sheffield United with his hat-trick his first hat-trick in his 50th game um, for the club that's led to inevitable speculation again that he's going to leave Fulham in January or in the summer for a Premier League club who might offer £20, £30, 40000000 million pounds. Um, how did, how, did, yeah, how did he um, perform on Saturday
1: after after that game on the Tuesday? Uh, it, it was a come down. It's got got to be honest. It was a bit of a come down. You know, it wasn't the same performance. He's moved to left back, obviously. So you're not going to have the same performance he had on Tuesday night. But to me, he still looks a bit tired. You know, that that Tuesday night game, he looked reinvigorated and he scored goals. But he does look tired to me. And we've all got to remember, he's only 17 yeah. years old. He's still a kid. You know, he's got to have that rest period, and it's important for his future. And his... you know going forward from here that he has that recovery and he doesn't get burnt out too young. And playing championship, we know how difficult that is and, you know, what it takes to play ninety minutes and that every week. So it wasn't the it wasn't the best of games for him. You know, he's his crosses into the box weren't as good, he wasn't as good going forward. But that's expected when you've played three games in a week at the age of seventeen. You're not gonna have the same period like that you had against on Tuesday night. So yeah, it wasn't the best of games, but we know what he's got in his locker, yeah. so you can, you can forgive one poor game, really. There's something about playing under the lights as well, isn't there? He said he was
2: invigorated and the team were. Mm. When I used to play Tuesday night football under the lights, you seem to have a little bit more energy and a little bit more... There's a bit more atmosphere somehow than a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, it's, it's a, a Tuesday day nights ahead. are special, aren't they? And yeah. especially
1: at Bramall Lane, you know, it's such a historic ground. And the atmosphere. The atmosphere was fantastic, and that's going to spur anyone on, even mm. if they're not your own fans. If they're mm. not getting on your back, like Sheffield United weren't getting on Fulham's back. No. They were completely behind their team, and although you don't play for Sheffield United, that's still going to make you raise your game a little bit, so... Yeah, you know, getting a hat-trick at Bramble Lane. Like how well he played at Newcastle last season where he scored two goals mm. at St James's Park. It's kind of the same thing. Big game, big occasion, big player. Yeah. yeah.
2: Before the Fulham was at London Derby, was the atmosphere fairly good
1: on...? on... Oh, I've, got, I've got to say the atmosphere was quite drab. You know, I did expect a little bit more, even from the away fans. There, there was a lot of them there, but it just... The atmosphere wasn't really there. I don't know whether that was because it was probably the most bitter day of the year or... Or whatever, or because the game was so drab. But yeah, I expected a bit more from the atmosphere, if I'm honest. Mm. But you know, these things happen, and the atmosphere isn't a be-all and end-all, is it?
2: How did George Savile play? I know it's not talking about Fulham, but he is the nephew of one of my friends.
1: Yeah, no, he he played he played <laughs> all right. Yeah, he he should he, he nearly scored. He hit the post from like 25 yards out. Right. But when you're in a midfield, along with like Tom Kearney, Oliver Norwood, you know, you you're not going to really shine unless no. you're, you're a Premier League player. So he, he had a good game, but. Was overshadowed a bit by Tom Kearney. Oh, Okay,
0: you did well there to answer that curveball question from Clive. No, no, one, no one, knew that question was coming. So um, just having any knowledge of what yeah. George had that game like right, is uh, trying to throw me the bus here. <laughs> um, two weeks ago, I think I think it was two weeks ago uh, on this podcast, um, we were talking about Fulham being the worst off of the three West London clubs that we cover in the league. Uh, two weeks later. Things are looking rosy again. They are. Twer- I twer- twer- had to, position I've not had to far deal with some smug,
1: smug colleagues over that when <laughs> Fulham weren't the better ones. Yeah, but now things are all rosy. I think it's two points ahead of Brentford now at the top of that West London division, and obviously they're four they ahead of QPR. Four ahead of QPR, but of course they play each other on on Saturday in a second West London derby of the week at Griffin Park, and that's a, that's the, that's a big game for Fulham. I think it's Fulham's biggest game of the year now so far. In that they've won it, they've won two games, two on the bounce unbeaten in three if they go and get a result against Brentford on Saturday that builds them up that you know the run of games they've got after that they're, they're all winnable games so you know if they get that win against Brent, if they win against Brentford that's a real springboard into building a good solid run heading into the Christmas heading into the New Year if they get into that New Year I mean they've got the likes of Sunderland Birmingham coming up after this they are winnable games if they go to Griffin Park get a draw get a win you know, they're, they're looking all of a sudden, hang on a minute. One minute we're looking, you know, we're not, we're not playing well. We're losing pace with the playoffs. The next moment, we're right on the on the tails of them. So, yeah, a, a result at Griffin Park on Saturday is huge. And, it, and it's a huge game for, for both
0: sides. I think three straight wins for any team that's looking to get in the playoffs. Um, most
1: of them will bite a handoff for, for three in a row, wouldn't they, really? Yeah, definitely. And if that third win comes away to Brentford after you know Fulham haven't really had the rub the green against Brentford recently they beat them 2-0 away last season but before that you know there's there's been some poor results against Brentford in recent years so this one you know if they get that third win at Griffin Park against I've got to say a very good Brentford side you know they're going to be (coughs) delighted and so are the fans like it means a lot to the fans Having beaten Sheffield United and that would be two London
2: derbies as well that's going to give them big confidence
1: Yeah massive you know beating Sheffield United is a confidence boost in itself because they're right at the top of the league mm. Mill will come and look to you know to to shut up shop really and and get physical and pump balls up and Fulham came through that so to go mm. away again against another good side who will probably be up at mid table coming the end of the season mm. to get a result there just shows that Fulham despite not having the best of starts are really starting to build something now and getting back into. The way they play football. Do you think it's going to be the start of something for Fulham? Do you, you think they'll get a result? On yeah, that? yeah. I, I said after the Sheffield United game that if they go to Brentford, if they if they won that game and they go to Brentford, they win, beat Millwall, go to Brentford and get a result. You're looking at a good run because, like I've said already, the teams they've got coming up are all winnable games. And up until I think it's Boxing Day when they play Cardiff, Fulham will be looking at those games, thinking, "No, we should take three points from them." The Brentford game is the, is the only sticking one in that run. You know, it's a derby, so form goes out the window anyway. But it's not like, with all due respect, it's not like playing QPR. Brentford are a good footballing side. They're going to want to play football. Fulham are going to want to play football. And, you know, I think Brentford have it in for Fulham a bit more. You know, they've got good results against them in the past. And they owe them one for what happened at Griffin Park last season. So it's not going to be... And after their Monday nights, two or draw, you know, letting that lead slip, they're not going to want to do anything like that again against Fulham. So they're going to be
0: looking to go out there and get a real positive result. As you say, it's two teams that like to play football. They could cancel each other out. Um, and it's two teams that do like to give away late goals as well and give away leads because Fulham have yep. done it on a fair few occasions this season as well.
1: Yeah, it seems a problem with both Fulham and Brentford this year. You know, you've got the Fulham, the Brentford stat that they'd be second if they hadn't let their lead slip. And you can you can count, like, you can't count on both your hands with the amount of leads Fulham have let slip. You know, you've got to look at Cardiff, Middlesbrough. But most of those have come at home for Fulham. They don't really let lead slip away from mm-hmm. home. So, and they look, I've always said Fulham look better away from home because home teams are expected to play more than they are when they go to the cottage. They go to the cottage and sit back and let Fulham play. But at home, home fans expect a little bit more. Mm. That's why Sheffield United and Fulham was such a good game. You know, Djukanovic said that Fulham targeted the space that United would create from the way of football. They could well do the same on Saturday because Brentford will create space the way they play football. So if Fulham can hit that space, you know, we saw how pacey their attack was mm. on the counter against Sheffield United. Obviously, Florida Aite will be missing for the game through injury, but he still got Shay Ojo. He still got Ryan Sessegnon. You've got Kamara, who's one of the fastest players in the side. That space is going to be there to hit, and Fuller will be looking. You know, they'll, okay, they like to have the football, but so do Brentford, and they know that at times Brentford will have the football. Will, will um, Sessegnon
0: be able to be moved further forward for the game? Will as Slav got any cover for, for
1: um, left back? Reem obviously missed Saturday's game with injury, so if he's fit, you know I can see Ream coming back in at centre back with Dennis Odoi going to left-back and Sessignon being played further forward. So hopefully Remis fit, because I would like to see Sessignon played as the further forward. I think he's better there. Mm. And if he does play that, you're going to have Sessignon on the left and probably Ojo on the right. And whoever's in that middle, that, it's going to cause problems yeah. for him, because for Brentford's full-backs like to attack. But doing that means you're going to leave the space in behind for Ojo and Sessignon to exploit. And we saw what happened against Sheffield United when they exploited that space. United couldn't deal with them.
2: I guess the pressure's off Fulham a little bit, isn't it? The onus is on Brentford to come out. I mean, they've conceded those two goals against QPR in the week. They're going to be under pressure to please their fans. You are saying Fulham are playing with a bit more freedom away from home, so really the, the pressure's more on Brentford, I, w- I would say, to get a result, and and Fulham can go there and and, and attack with perhaps a little bit more freedom.
1: Uh, yeah, you could say that. I suppose they are at home, and you know they're playing. It's a derby that fans will want to win, but at the same time, you know, Fulham. You know, they own one for last season, don't they? They went to Griffin Park and won 2-0. They drew. They haven't lost to them in the last two games. So, I think there's still pressure on Fulham to do well as well because at the end of the day, it's a derby. This one means a little bit more, doesn't it, to the fans? And they scored five goals away from home the last time out. That's going to give them massive confidence, isn't it? Yeah, it will do. And they'll have done their homework on Brentford. They'll know how they play. They'll know that it suits the way Fulham like to counter-attack. So, they'll be confident going into this game.
0: What is it about late goals, Clive? You're a former... Player um, at semi-professional level, you're one up going to the last five minutes. What what changes in a footballer's head to kind of to get the the, the nerves to sit in and and for not not be able to hold on to that lead?
2: It's weird, isn't it? Because you can have a game of football where um, there can be no goals, but as soon as one team scores, then that gives the impetus for the other team to try and go and score. It's almost like a cat and mouse game, depending on the circumstances, but. I don't know. Maybe teams switch off. Maybe teams think we've done the job. Um, that was incredible the other night, wasn't it? at The Queen's Park Rangers and, and Brentford game where you think the game's done and dusted and then suddenly... Two really poor
0: goals yeah. as well, weren't they? Like, you, you just can't see a team being that sloppy
1: at the back when, when they've got a lead. In, in is is it a mental thing, though? I think in it That it gets is. to the last few minutes and they, they, they get jittery and yeah. they allow it, them to come on to them a bit more and these things happen. I know with Fulham defending... Not, not you know, not getting set, uh, not getting clean sheets. That was more a psychological thing as well because they had really good defensive performances, but one shot would go in and their heads would drop. Then, mm. so maybe it's a psychological thing. These things happen. It can be one that up and almost cruising the
2: game, but it can only take one deflection or something at the end that can throw that result completely out the window for you. So, um, yeah, I just think I think players switch off. I think it's a mental thing. You think the job's done, and you're tired, aren't you? Three or four minutes into a, into stoppage time, and you're thinking, blow the whistle, and suddenly, bang, balls in the back of your neck
0: I think the the thing to look at Saturday is that um, Fulham going to it full of confidence, and perhaps Brentford has been knocked a little bit, so
1: White's probably have to try and capitalise on that early on. Yeah, you could say that, but you could also say that Brentford won't want to repeat of what happened yeah. on Monday night and use that as a bit. You know, True. you know, it's not often you get two West London derbies in. The space of a week. Right. So, whereas before, if it was another game, they'd go into it, you know, just in any other game, thinking, "Ah, oh, Jesus, we just conceded mm-hmm. two goals there. It's going to be a bit hard to get back on on the horse for this one." But when it's Fulham, you've got you, if you think straight away, neighbours coming again. Let's not let it happen again. Let's finish the job this time.
2: So both teams are at a London derby.
1: Yeah. Yeah. going into this game yeah. so. and how often does that happen not often no. Um,
0: we'll put uh, Ryan on the spot before we let him recover his voice um, which is clearly uh, disintegrating by the second <laughs> um, it's a debate that um, divides the fans Button or Bettinelli
1: yeah so I think this is debate this is a bit of debate the fans have been having for the last last season and this season and I've defended David Button to the hills this season. I'll carry on defending him at the moment. You know for me, it has to be David Button. The way he's been playing as a whole this season has been I nothing short sure Superb, I don't think he hasn't had the rewards to go with it in the clean sheets, but he's made some fantastic saves, and you know he's he's built what Fulham have up front a solid base allows them to go on and, and play the way they play, and although it's not had the clean sheets. And, you know, the last two games he's had some jittery moments. It doesn't help, I don't think, in that the home fans getting on his own back. Like, yeah, he'll he make one or two mistakes. But I don't think his home fans getting on his own back helps at all. And with fans, I know around the press box fans say, oh, why is he still playing it out but from the back? Why doesn't he go long? Djukanovic has told him to play out from the back. That's why Djukanovic prefers Button over Bettinelli, because Bettinelli can't play the sweeper keeper role. He's not as good with the ball at his feet. You know when Betanelli's got the ball, if he doesn't see a clear option at the back, he's going long, whereas Button is confident having that ball at his feet and playing out from the back, which is what Djukanovic wants Fulham to do. So I think at the moment, you know, you can't drop Button based on form, based on playing out from the back, because one, his form's been good and two, Djukanovic wants him to play like that. So I don't think he's going to be dropped for the Brentford game. Yes, he's had a few iffy moments and people say he's not as commanding in his box, but He's taken the footballs from the air this season very well, better than he has last season. So at the moment, I don't think you can say Bettinelli over Button unless, you know, there's still the whole, he used to play for Brentford, he didn't have the best of ends of the season last year. You know, there's still that agenda against Button where Fulham fans will never really take to him. I think that's the only reason you can say Bettinelli over Button. But for me, it's Button every day at the moment.
0: Is there a case that it might be a kind of an old school fan against an, a new age fan in that the, the older fans maybe at Craven Cottage want don't want to see the ball in their own box; they want it pumped forward and, and attacking, the, and they don't want to see the ball go back to the goalkeeper. Whereas the younger fans will perhaps look at how football is these days and how many managers do want to play out from the back and, and start building attacks from the
1: goalkeeper. Yeah, it might not even be an age question, though. It's just some people maybe. prefer, yeah, you know what we call beautiful, slick football when passing out from the back and others prefer it to a target man. You look at managers these days as well. Jakanovic and Dean Smith like playing it out from the back, but players, managers like Ian Holloway and Neil Harris like hitting that target man with the long of passes. It just depends on what they feel is better suited to their team and what they can manage.
2: The Brentford keeper, the way he was distributing the ball, every time he got it, he was hurling a throw over the halfway line. Yeah, trying it's, to get it's in all about quick attacking, yeah.
1: So, you know, I think... I think playing out from the back is the way to play football and Fulham have very rarely lost it from the back, playing out from the back and conceded a goal. You know, it happened at Derby last season but this season it's not really happened and yeah, there's a few iffy moments where you think, oh Jesus Christ, that's, that was a bit too close for comfort but that stuff happens when you play like that. You know, but what would you rather see? Fulham, lump, David Button lumping it up to really fawn every time he gets the ball or actually building something from the back allowing there to be space when teams come and press Fulham higher up the pitch which results in Kenny being able to do what he does best, I'd go for the second option every day.
0: I think that's a clear message from uh, Ryan that uh, the fans should stop getting on buttons back and start supporting him like the rest of the team. Um, And that is a good place for us to end it, I think. All your Fulham news is on getwestlondon.co.uk and we'll be back with another podcast next week. Thanks for joining us.